I can't re- quite recall what the original intention. I don't know that we had any uh, sense of like remote or not remote. You know, at the beginning of Zapier, it was just like, let's just make a business. Let's just get something that can st- sustain the three of us. Welcome to Building for the Next Billion, the podcast that discusses the most prominent trends in software development with leading technologists from around the globe. I'm your host, Justin Byrne. We're coming at you from our podcast studio here in Andela's New York City headquarters. If you're not familiar with Andela, we build high-performing engineering teams with the most talented developers from tech hubs across Africa. Now, let's get to today's show. In this episode, I am joined by Wade Foster, co-founder and CEO of Zapier. Zapier is a web automation app that allows you to build zaps that automate parts of your business or life. Basically, a zap is a blueprint for a task that you want to do over and over, and it functions, for example, like this. When I get a new thing in A, do this other thing in B. So there's a trigger and then an action. He is based in the Bay Area, but Zapier is 100% remote, meaning they don't even have a physical office space that everybody congregates in, and they've been that way since the company's inception. Because of this, Wade is obviously a huge proponent of distributed teams and has been recently making headlines for their delocation package that they just started offering, but we'll discuss that a bit later. Hey, Wade, thanks so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Justin. Hey, you're welcome. So where exactly are you right now? I mentioned in the introduction that Zapier is a 100% remote. So where are you and are you with any other colleagues right now? Uh, so today I happen to be sitting at a uh, kitchen table with my co-founder, Brian. Uh, we actually have two other uh, Zapier teammates here with us right now that are waiting for flights out of the Bay Area because uh, we just wrapped up an onboarding week here. Yeah, that's interesting because my understanding is that each month you bring together new hires with their managers in an effort to just onboard everybody effectively. So can you tell me a little bit about that process? Yeah, so we call this Airbnb onboarding. Uh, once a month uh, for a week, we fly out uh, the most recent new hires at Zapier uh, so that they can meet some folks in person. Um, you know, most of the job I think uh, at Zapier can get done remotely, but um, it is nice to have that in person connection with the people that you're working with. Uh, so it's a good chance just to meet your manager, meet maybe someone on your team, maybe meet uh, a person who works in another department or another function at Zapier. And, and really just get to know a few different people uh, much better. And we found that that uh, experience makes hanging out in Slack while you're working remotely um, just that much more um, personal. Ah, that's, uh, that's very cool. So does this happen at one specific location every time or do you cycle through different locations each time? It, it rotates around. It's you know it depends on how many folks are coming out and what house is available that we can get that week. So, uh, but it's mostly in and around the Bay Area. That's awesome. So before we dive into the tactics surrounding remote work and the things that you guys have found successful, I'm curious: was creating 100% remote workforce the original intention, or you know did it just evolve that way because you guys found talent that wasn't necessarily local and just decided to run with it? Uh. I can't re- quite recall what the original intention. I don't know that we had any uh, sense of like remote or not remote at the beginning of Zapier. Um, you know, at the beginning of Zapier, it was just like, let's just make a business. Let's just get something that can st- sustain the three of us. Then when it came, was clear that we needed to start hiring. We had just moved to the Bay Area. We didn't really know anyone here. Uh, so. And to, to, to boot, we had never hired anyone in the past, so we had no hiring experience. 
So when we started thinking like, okay, who are the types of people we want to work with? Um, the people that came to mind were people that we'd worked with in the past that we knew we had uh, a good working rapport alongside them that we knew would be great um, to be teammates with again. And it just so happened that, you know, one of them was in Chicago, another was back in Columbia, Missouri. And so like those original hires were remote. And um, since Zapier had started as a side project, going back to working kind of remote-esque seemed very natural to us. It was kind of baked into our DNA from the get-go. So so then at what point did you just say, wow, this is actually working super well. We don't need a physical office. Let's just keep it distributed. Yeah, I mean, I think after those first couple folks, like it just seemed to be working pretty well. And, you know, when we went to hire mo- more folks, it was like, let's just hire smart people. And, if you know, wherever they're at, like that'll work fine for us. Um, you know, so we hired someone who was in Omaha and then we hired someone who was in, uh, Boulder, uh, and you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. It was like, this is working fine. Um, you know, we'd seen examples of other companies that were doing this well and felt like, you know, it's working for other folks. Uh, it can work for us. So, uh, we decided to go all in on it. You know, as they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So what were some of those companies that you tried to emulate and looked up to as dis- as doing distributed really, really well? Yeah, I mean, there's companies like Automatic, I think is, you know, the, the a great example of a, a bigger company, you know, companies like 37 Signals, now Basecamp, even companies like Mozilla, which are mostly remote and do have some centralized offices, Buffer, you know, Help Scout were kind of the same size as us that were giving it a go too. Um, there was just a lot of different companies that were, that were starting to do it. And so, you know, it seemed like kind of the technology had finally gotten to a point in time where... Hey, this is pretty. This is easily possible for anyone. And how long ago was that? So we. This was probably like 2012 when we started hiring. So this is like pre-Slack. I guess Skype was around. Google Hangouts. What were some of the early tools that you used to make this successful? Yeah. So we we used um, Campfire out the bat, uh, and we were using Google Hangouts a lot out the bat. And uh, GitHub and Trello um, were kind of some of the the toolkits we were using. Uh, originally nice and this is probably just so much easier to facilitate a remote environment now with all the different tools that are currently available to us oh absolutely right like slack is phenomenal uh products like zoom are um really top notch for video conferencing you know even products like github trello have gotten a lot better themselves too so you know the tools are just really good now Good stuff. And, you know, I've recently seen you guys in the news quite a bit because you're now offering a delocation package. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and the genesis of that idea. Yeah. So this was the brainchild of um, my co-founder and another engineer at Zapier who were just kind of spitballing at one of our retreats thinking, you know, what are ways that we can do a better job at attracting folks to Zapier? And one of the things that kept coming up in interviews was, People were interviewing at Zapier who were living in the Bay Area, but they would tell us, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, but I'm planning to go somewhere else, right? And somewhere else was like, I want to go home where I've got, you know, uh, grandparents that can take, you know, help me take care of my newborn kids, uh, you know, or I need to take care of aging parents, or I just want to be somewhere else. Um, You know, I met a spouse, you know. They want to be somewhere else, that kind of thing, right? It was like life was drawing them elsewhere, basically. And uh, we felt like, hey, you know, if we if we kind of could tap into a lot of the talent that is here in the Bay Area that uh, is not, you know, 
they don't they haven't set roots here really at all uh who is kind of on the fence thinking about making that move elsewhere um you know something that's like a, a relocation or in our case a delocation package um might get some of those folks to to tip over and say like hey zapier could be a place where i can um i could kind of make a, a good next step in my career that's very interesting. So what, right now it's uh, $10,000 to move out of the Bay Area, is that correct? Yeah, so if you join Zapier uh, and, and are located in the Bay Area, we'll pay $10,000 in relocation assistance to you know help you go wherever. Great. So have people taken advantage of this awesome opportunity so far? Has it been successful? Kind of what, what has the progress been like? So we announced this a few weeks ago, and our applications to uh the open positions we have have increased by about 30 percent so we've had a huge um you know increase in the number of folks that we get to talk with and a lot of them are mentioning the delocation packages as a, as a thing that sets zapier apart uh, we haven't made an offer where folks have uh, someone has used the delocation package but based on some of the conversations we're having in interviews now it, it seems like that's likely to happen um and soon <laughs> So then outside of the increase in inbound applications and the positive results it's had on recruitment, do you think this initiative will have a positive effect on on your employees because they can focus more on their work since they're less worried about the financial stresses of living in a big city like San Francisco? Uh, you know, I don't think so too much, honestly. I, I think people who are where they want to be are going to be better at working, right? And, and sometimes that can be here in the Bay Area if that's where they want to be or it can be in some other place that's a high cost of living. But for a lot of folks, that isn't where they want to be. I think if folks are comfortable in their environment uh, and are able to dig into work without a lot of outside stress, they're going to be more effective in their jobs, right? If they don't have to worry about certain life situations that come up for all of us, um, it's just going to be a lot easier to be, be, focus in and be productive. Quite interesting. So is there any possibility that you'll expand this program to other cities in the future? I know it's just for current San Francisco residents, but maybe tell us a little bit about your future plans. Yeah, I think, you know, we're going to see how this goes for the next, um, you know, a couple months. And, uh, you know, expanding it to other areas is definitely something that's on our mind. Now, I don't know if you've seen the news about IBM. They're kind of doing the opposite of what you guys are doing right now. So their their new CMO, Michelle Peluso, announced a few months ago that all employees under the marketing umbrella need to relocate to one of their six central offices or face termination. It's pretty interesting because IBM was a really early adopter of remote work and has been a pioneer in that style, but it doesn't look like it's worked out for them. What is your reaction to that? And is there any chance that Zapier will ever evolve to a non-remote policy? Yeah, I did see that. Um, you know, one of the interesting things uh, to make a point of was that um, it, for the CMO made the announcement, and it is specific just to um, folks in the marketing function. So they are um, keeping remote workers in other functions of the org. Um, tough to say if this is like a, a, you know, a sign of maybe reducing remote work entirely or if it's just, you know, for those in those areas, um, I guess we'll pay attention to IBM and see what see what they decide. You know, it is it's it's interesting. Um, I don't I'm not privy to what their thought process is and, and the challenges that they're seeing. But I think for Zapier, remote has worked really well and it continues to work really well. So I don't see any um, scenario in the future where we would consolidate, you know, into a central location or into several hubs that we might be in. Well, it's obviously working really well for you guys. You know, you literally wrote the book 
on remote work. It's a 191-page outline around the best practices and strategies for working in a distributed fashion written by yourself and other people within the company. So first off, is that available anywhere online? Because I feel like our listeners will be pretty interested. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to zapier.com slash learn, you can snag it for free. Uh, if you also do uh, a search in Amazon for uh, you know books on remote work, Zapier's book will pop up there. Uh, it's free in both places. Um, you can get it on your Kindle, you can get it in PDF, you can read it online. Um, there's a lot of ways to get access to it for sure. And how did that come about? Did you just determine that you had the remote thing down so well that you wanted to share it with the rest of the world? You know, it was just me sharing lessons learned early. Like I'd write a blog post on, you know, hey, you know, here's how we're managing remote. Hey, here's how we're thinking about hiring in remote. And it was kind of a way for me to just document like my thinking about how we should be doing this. And over time, we realized like we'd written a lot about remote work. And so uh, it made sense to compile compile it into more of a book. And so we went ahead and did that uh, compilation into, um, you know, something that's a little more full featured, I guess, if you will, or comprehensive and uh, turned it into a book. One of the early chapters is on fostering a healthy remote culture. And I know that is something that people considering remote or people that have gone remote say is a pretty big hurdle to overcome. So what are some tactics people can employ to build a healthy remote culture when you're not seeing these people in person very often? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people look at culture and they think things like, you know, do we have, uh, you know, a ping pong table or do we have free food for lunches or do we have soda machines or or whatever in the office, a masseuse? Um, To me, that's not really culture. Culture is more about how your approach to work and the pride that you take in the products that you create, your attitudes toward how you treat your customers. Uh, things like that is really what defines your culture. It's, you know, when, when a customer has a bad experience, you know, are people empowered to, to make that make it right with that customer? Those are the types of things that define your culture, really. And so the way I think that you do a good job with that is, you know, you hire people that um, are, are going to be top-notch folks. Um, you know, the, the people are the one who, who define the culture. And, um, you know, if you've, you hire people that are going to, you know, default to action, you hire people that are going to, you know, have a strong empathy for your customer base. Uh, you hire people who, you know, want to want to take a lot of pride in the work that they do. Things like a, a healthy culture are kind of going to emerge from that. Um, some other tactical things that I think are important are, you know, one is have a fully distributed team. Uh, it's tough to have like a half and half culture. If you have a half and half culture where you've got half of people in an office and half remote, the half remote people will become kind of a second class citizen in your organization because most of the interaction will happen in that half in office environment. So I think it's really important to do uh, all remote or no remote at all. That way, uh, keeps everyone kind of working on the same plane or the same environment. So that's really important. And then find ways to, you know, get people to talk to each other and get people to know each other. So, you know, we do a thing called pair buddies every week. Um, you randomly get paired up with one other person in the org. And you just jump on like a quick 30 minute zoom call and just talk about whatever. doesn't have to be work related. It can be your hobbies, your family, 
that sort of thing. Uh, and that really helps you get to know folks around Zapier. Uh, obviously, we do the um, Airbnb onboarding trips, so that helps you get to know folks in person. We also do the remote retreats twice a year where we fly everyone into a location. Uh, so that helps kind of build up that you know personal connection and that camaraderie so that when you are working inside of Slack, you kind of understand people's nuances, um, and it's easier to build like an empathy for where they're coming from and that sort of thing. Uh, so those are some, some of the things you can kind of build your camaraderie uh, that helps... Um, enforce the culture that you have or, or uh, grow the culture that you want to have. One interesting thing popped out to me during that. You said that it is easier to be 100% remote than have a portion centralized and a portion remote, which totally makes sense. Everybody is on the same playing field when remote is universal. Do you think it's possible to be successful and be only partially remote? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know of several companies that do have you know por- partial offices with a lot of remote folks. Um, but they have to they have to be really intentional about how they approach things. So, for example, I know uh, one company, what they'll do when you have a, a video conference is everyone will take the video conference from their own private space. So instead of the people that are in the office going to a conference room and then everyone dialing into that conference room where you've got half in a room and half not in a room, um, that creates a weird dynamic. Whereas if you have, you know, even if you're in the office, you're dialing into the the um, you know the call from your own private space. Everyone is interacting through um, the video conference that way. Uh, you know, making sure that even if you are in the same space, that you're talking over Slack, that you're documenting things inside of you know a Google Doc or a Quip Doc or whatever. Things like that go a long way to making sure that everyone is kind of working like remote workers do. So I think you can be in an office and work together, but you have to just be really careful and really um, set up kind of some rules about how you're going to interact with the rest of the team and make sure that you don't create this in-office culture, this in-office click that kind of excludes the remote workers. All right, so I've talked to a few hiring managers and a few people that manage teams, and they've told me that they can barely manage their employees when they're in the same room as one another, so there's no way they could effectively manage across multiple time zones and locations. Do you think that's a function of that manager not being able to manage effectively, or do you think that's a problem with remote work? I I think that's probably more of um, the former than the latter. Managing people remotely versus in office is is not too different, honestly. Um, You need to make sure to do a one-on-one with them every week. You need to make sure that you understand what their career goals are, what their ambitions are. You need to understand what the organization's goals are. And uh, you want to make sure that you have a way to understand the work that they're doing. So, you know, if they're if they're an engineer, you need to be able to see, like, what are the commits that they're making? Um, you know, if they're in customer support, you want to be able to pay attention to the, the emails and the conversations they're having with your customers. Uh, if they're in marketing, you want to make sure that they're sending you reports on the output of your work. Um, all that stuff can happen remotely. You don't need to be able to see them, you know, button in a chair t- to understand are they being successful or not. I think remote management versus in-person management is effectively the same thing, honestly. Okay, so anecdotally for me, when I work from home or when I work from moat, I have a hard time differentiating between, especially, you know, if I'm in my apartment, differentiating between work time and leisure time because the two are blended together. And I'm, I'm used to a different working environment. What are some best practices around making sure you feel like you're in an office setting even when you're in your own home? Yeah, this is a great topic because I think it's imperative that if you're working remotely, you set up a workplace from your home, somewhere that is 
for work. Uh, you know, it, it can be a, a spare bedroom. It can be the, a corner of a room. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, but that's the workspace, whereas other place in your home is for relaxation. It's for other tasks. Because if you don't create that separation, that work-life balance starts to blend. Um, and it can be tough, right? Uh, especially in a company like Zapier, where uh, we work across dozens of time zones and people are on Slack all the time. It's really easy in the evening just to, you know, pop open your laptop and be like, I'll just check in and see what's going on at work. And before you know it, you know, you're putting in 10, 12, 14 hour days just because there's stuff going on. Uh, but it's really important to create that kind of separation of environment. So it's like, hey, when I'm here, I'm, I'm glued in, I'm focused on work. When I'm over here, I'm glued in and focused on my home life, my family life, my hobbies, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about the time zone. So do you guys have one specific set of hours when everybody needs to be online because that's when most time zones overlap? Or how do you go about making sure that people are not working 14-hour days? I mean, you certainly could with people in so many different parts of the world. So we don't tell people what times that they should work. Instead, we tell them set a routine. So set your own hours, but make sure it's a routine and you know, publish them so that you know people know when to expect you in the office. Um, we like this because it actually helps uh, in certain areas, right? Like it's good for us to have people who are uh, you know working Asian hours, European hours, um, American hours, because then we can help with customer support. You know, any you know issues that come in can be handled right away. Uh, helps with things like DevOps. So if there's infrastructure issues, it's great to have someone you know who's in Asia while the rest of the U.S. is asleep, they can handle the issue, and so it doesn't have to wake someone up in Asia. We feel like you can use time zones to your advantage um, to, to be a more uh, successful team. So we encourage people to just set a routine that fit, works for them. And then every now and then, you know, you'll have to do a call that's maybe a little bit outside your core hours, um, but it's not. that's the exception to the rule. That's not a normal day-to-day thing. Nice. And when, when you guys are on conference calls, you know, you have 12 different faces on a screen, kind of looks like the introduction to uh, to the Brady Bunch, but it's difficult to determine who's going to talk and what the order is going to be. But I've heard that before every call, you write in the message section, the order of the speakers, which, you know, is a small but awesome thing you can do to make things run that much smoother. Are there any other things that you do on calls or meetings that that help them run better? Yeah, I think these are these are any sort of meeting tips that apply to not just like remote calls, but also like in office calls. I think it's really critical that when you have, re- especially recurring meetings, where it's like this is a meeting we're going to have every week, uh, to set up a format for it, something that people can expect, so that when they come in, they know, hey, this is what this meeting is about. We're going to answer these questions uh, in these order, and we're going to have people talk at these times. This is the time for, you know, information sharing. This is the time for discussion. Uh, and kind of when you set those rules in advance, it makes the uh, the meeting go just so much smoother and so much quicker because uh, you're not – then you're not, like, futzing around trying to figure out, like, okay, who's talking now? Like, who's who's, you know, who's making a decision? What segment are we in? That sort of thing. It's really nice when you can say, like, hey, you know, we want – let me give you an example. So like I run a, a weekly status meeting with my executive meet team and every week I say, hey, before our call, I want you all to answer these two, these three questions in a Google Doc, okay? And then when we show up, uh, all those questions are answered. We take the first five minutes 
and we read through the doc. So there's no talking for five minutes. People are just reading through the doc, uh, understanding what people's answers to various questions are, commenting on them, that sort of thing. And then from there, we rotate. Uh, everyone gets roughly five to ten minutes to ask other people questions about their answers to the uh, the prompted questions. So that way we can clarify issues, things like that. But it kind of rotates around. Everyone gets a turn to, to ask those questions. And it really just helps the meeting move a lot uh, snappier. And with distributed teams, it's obviously working great for you guys. But, I, you know, I'm sure it comes with its set of issues. One of the chapters in the book is remote burnout. So what are some of the reasons that you find remote employees tend to burn out because of? And what are some of the ways of solving those issues? Yeah, I think this is a tricky one. You know, I think people burn out for similar reasons as, as they are in the office, right? You know, you maybe you're doing a, a, a job that um, has a lot of routine sort of tasks, right? And it's like the, the routine tasks maybe over time become less challenging or less engaging for whatever reasons. When you're remote, it's tougher for a manager to spot that. When you're in the office, you can, you can see like visual cues uh, a little bit easier, right? You can see kind of slumped shoulders. You can maybe see them a little more disengaged. Uh, so you, you can kind of get those 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 little visual clues, tick, you know, give you a, a tick about what's happening. Uh, when you're remote, you don't get that. And so you have to make sure to stay on top of that as a manager. So that's really why it's important to make sure you're doing weekly one-on-ones uh, with the people on your team and asking them, you know, hey, how are you feeling about the work? Are you feeling engaged? Are you feeling challenged? Are there things that you aren't doing that you want to be doing? Are there things that you are doing that you love doing and want to do more of? You know, just ask those types of questions so that it gives you a chance to get a feel for like how the folks on your team are are, are doing and uh, helps you kind of spot that the first inklings of burnout before it gets too serious um, and, and it becomes something that is tougher to rectify. That's awesome. I mean, this gets me pretty fired up about remote work. I was already pretty stoked on it, but now it just seems, you know, so doable. But before I let you go, wanted to ask you a few more questions. Obviously, we need to learn a little bit more about Zapier and how you guys work. So you guys are a web automation app that can automate parts of your business or life. So what are some of your favorite zaps at the moment? Mm, good question. So, uh, you know, I mentioned that weekly staff meeting I do with my executive team. Uh, I got a zap that's set up every week. It creates a templated doc in a Google Doc uh, and has all the sections pre-filled out, questions already prompted. Uh, and then it posts uh, a message to Slack that says, hey, here's this week's doc. It pins it as a topic and then it automatically sets up a calendar invite with the document linked in there. Uh, so that way, every, every week, um, I don't have to do any meeting prep for it. Instead, you know, Zapier just like sets up all the documentation, the calendar event, anything like that for me, uh, which I love. It's, you know, previously you'd hire like an executive assistant or something to do some of that sort of work, or I'd have to do it myself, right? Um, but because Zapier can help automate kind of just kind of this routine work, um, it just happens automatically. So stuff like that is stuff that I really love. It's interesting. Do you guys have any um, statistics on how much time all your zaps have saved your customers and your, your employees? I'm sure it's just through the roof. Oh, it's a ton. You know, I think, you know, any individual task that gets performed, you know, it depends on who you talk to and, and what the task is. But folks say that an individual task might save as much as uh, five minutes. And um, right now we're running through, you know, 4 million tasks a week or so. Uh, so you're talking about a lot of minutes saved for, uh, you know, knowledge workers across the globe. That's phenomenal. So how can everybody listening right now keep up to date with Zapier and yourself? 
Yeah, great question. So um, probably the easiest is um, you can just check out Zapier, uh, zapier.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade Foster. You can follow Zapier on Twitter at Zapier. Uh, and you'll uh, you'll be able to stay uh, up, up to date on what, what we're doing, what's happening. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining the show. Again, I was speaking with Wade Foster, the co-founder and CEO of Zapier. It's been a, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and remote work for the win. Yeah, thanks, Justin. <laughs>